Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter number 6. We want to continue what we began last week. Four marks of a man of God. Well, Father's Day is over, so ladies, you jump on in and you can make the title a woman of God, but we'll kind of share it with everyone. But 1 Timothy 6, beginning with verse 11. But you, O man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made a good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. We want to continue in this short sermon series on being a man of God. In our text, we have a, um, a title, really a description that the Apostle Paul gives to um, a young man by the name of Timothy. And it's something that every one of us should really um, desire and strive for, and that's to be called a man or a woman of God. And again, if you weren't here last time, get the tape, and we, 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 preached, we preached quite a while there. You see, Timothy was a young pastor, and he had the responsibility and the care to watch over the spiritual needs of God's people. And life has its responsibilities. It has its demands. It has its challenges and duties. But Paul the Apostle is reminding Timothy that he also needs to watch and care over his own spiritual health. Over his own spiritual walk and witness. As we like to say, the first person I need to manage is me. Before I can lead my wife, I've got to be able to lead me. Before I can lead a household, I need to be able to lead me. And what Paul is writing here is not something he just writes, it's something he lives. If you remember in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says, actually, like an athlete in training, he goes, I discipline myself so that after I preach to others, I'm not disqualified. Paul's saying, man, you know, even me, the Apostle Paul, but had all these wonderful experiences and spiritual, all these things, I have to watch myself like an athlete that's in training for the Olympics. I've got to give discipline and attention to my own spiritual walk so that after I've won all the awards and got all the nice stories to tell, at the end I'm not missing the mark because I'm not where I need to be. So Paul says, Timothy, thou, O man of God, live up to that high and holy calling. Make that designation something you're yearning for and striving for and reaching for. And we begin with verse 11. He starts out, but thou, but thou. And he's drawing um, contrast, Timothy, to the false teachers that he just got done warning Timothy about. Those that are having false doctrines and those that are swaying and fleeing from the faith. That have strayed and wandered. That have run after materialism. And Paul makes a sharp contrast between God's man and other men. And there should be a great difference, a distinction between men and women who love the Lord Jesus and serve Him wholeheartedly than those that don't. Verse 11, But you, O man of God, he says, but you, Timothy, you're not like them. You don't run after what they run after. 
You're not hungering for the things they hunger for. You've got a different value system. You have a different goal. You have a different motivation in your heart and in your life. But you, O man of God, you're God's property. You're a possession of the living God. You, You are His servant. And as His servant, your life represents Him. How you live and how you speak and how you function. It is a high and holy calling. It is an honor to be called a man or a woman of God. And in our text, Paul gives four admonitions to Timothy and to you and I. That if they're obeyed, they will assure us success in this Christian walk and a continued testimony as God's man or God's woman. And I pray that within the sound of my voice, there'll be someone here today that'll make a decision and make the effort to become a man or woman of God. Beyond just a churchgoer. Beyond someone who hopefully will make it to heaven one day. I pray that someone here today will hear the challenge of the Spirit of God. And say, I will refuse just to merely make it in. But I'm going to strive to be a real man or woman of God. Someone that serves God wholeheartedly and unashamedly. Someone that's growing and groaning for the things that please the heart of God. Because remember, it's never too late and it's never too early to strive to be a man or woman of God. It's never too late. You might be here at 80 years old and you've just lived a case-sera-sera Christian experience. You're going in, you've been baptized, but you really never pressed in. You never really fell in love with the Word of God. You never developed a strong prayer life. You weren't bold where you should have been bold. You can start today and you can finish strong. You might be here at 16 years old. I want you to know you can be a man or woman of God even at a tender age. You can be a man after God's own heart. Young David was. Young Samuel was. And so can you if you'll make up your mind. I'm not ashamed of what others think. I'm going to strive to live for the approval of the God I serve. And I'm going to lift up Jesus and not be ashamed to serve Him with all my might and with all my strength. Somebody Somebody say amen. I'm reminded of a story of a preacher that was looking for um, a tree for the parsonage. He wanted to decorate the parsonage. And so he went to one of those tree nurseries. He wanted to find something just right for the front yard. And he says when he got there, he saw a sign. And the sign said the best time to plant a tree was 15 years ago. But then the next line said the second best time is today. You can start today. You can hear the Spirit calling you today. And said, I don't just go through the motions. I'm going to be known as a man or a woman of God. On the job, they're going to know where I stand. In the neighborhood, they'll know who I serve. I'm going to live it with my mouth and I'm going to live it with my life. Come on, say amen. Marks of a man of God. The man of God is known by what he flees from, what he follows after. And that's where we'll stress our, our sermon today. What he fights for. Man of God is known for what he fights for. Fight the good fight of faith. What he stands, you gotta stand for something. You gotta stand for something. God's man is a spiritual soldier, not a spectator or merely a commentator. He fights the good fight of faith. He fights to possess God's will. He fights to defend God's blessing. He fights to advance God's cause. He's a soldier. In the army of God. And lastly, what he's faithful to. What he's faithful to. The man or woman of God is faithful to their God, faithful to their family, faithful to the family of God, those of a like precious faith. Again, they are not ashamed to let others know who they serve and where they stand. 
They're not ashamed to let others know where their loyalties lie. That marvelous verse from Joshua 24, As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. That's not just a plaque on their wall. That's the life that they live. Number one, a man of God is known by what he flees from. That's verse 11a. Paul writes, Timothy, but you, O man of God, flee from all this. There's a lot of things that the world applauds. There's a lot of things that those around you, that's I live for, and they fill in the blank. Whatever it is, from A to Z. But as for you, you're not like that group. You've been born from above. You're an ambassador of Christ. You have a new nature, and the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And with nature comes appetite. With nature comes desire. With nature comes habits. The man of God is known by what he flees from. The man of God belongs to God, is dedicated to God, and lives for the glory of God. Therefore, he chooses a lifestyle and a value system that is governed and directed by the Word and the Spirit of God. Therefore, he or she puts the eternal over the temporal, puts future reward ahead of present pleasures. And this produces, this produces. You see, the flesh and the world and carnal Christians have sold us a bill of goods that the walk of separation is dry and boring and it quenches. <laughs> Not according to the Bible. In fact, there's some rich blessings that come to the man or woman that choose to live separated from the world and from that which God disapproves of but draws near to their Father. There is a closer communication or communion with God when we live a separated life. There is a greater revelation of God when we live a separated life. And there is certainly a much more consistent walk with God when we live a separated life. When we walk separated, it allows us a greater access to the heart and the mind and the presence of God. Um, Paul writes 1 Corinthians 6 and um, 16b. 1 Corinthians 6 and 16b. He says, And I will live with them, and I will walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be My people. Therefore, he says, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and I'll be a father unto you. Don't touch the unclean thing and you'll be my son and you'll be my daughter. And we see within this beautiful verse that when God calls a man or a woman to live a separated life, a holy life, it is far from something that quenches. Actually, it enhances and it grants the beautiful blessings of God's nearness and God's closeness. And God says, I'll walk with you in a closer way and I'll reveal my heart to you in a more intimate way. And you'll know me and you'll experience me in a greater way because you've come apart from the old and you're drawing near to your God and to your king. Can you say amen? amen? The man of God is known by what he flees from, but also what he follows, what he pursues. And that's where we left off last time. You look at um, 11b and he says, pursue, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. You see, separation without positive growth in the characteristics, the character of Christ, becomes isolation. There's a hollowness. Um, it creates a rigid religious person. And if we're honest, that is an inconsistent person. 
And it's a person that lacks credibility to anyone that really watches their life. For the person that just lives with all the I can't, I shall not, I will not, but never cultivates the love and the mercy and the purity of God in their heart, it's a joke, it's a farce, and anyone, it's an emperor's new clothes. Anyone thinks that person's holy? Come on, say amen. <laughs> The Bible says pursue some things. Don't just run away from certain things. That's only one part. But now grow in these characteristics that imitate Jesus Christ. We're urged to cultivate by the help of the Holy Spirit the characteristics of the Lord. And in our text, the Apostle Paul highlights six characteristics that God wants His people to make a conscious effort to grow in and faithfully practice. He says, pursue these things. Literally, keep on pursuing these things. He's saying, Timothy, let these things become a lifelong goal. And we, we said how last time, you know, having goals in your life is a good thing. It's, it's a smart thing. It's a helpful thing. We have goals with our education or our career, our finances. You know, goals are okay. But we also, as believers, should have character goals. We should have goals that have to do with our spiritual walk. It's good to have goals to get out of debt. That's wisdom. It's good to have certain goals on your career. That gives you something to shoot for. keeps you motivated. That's good. But in our spiritual life, we ought to have goals as our walk with God. And I say that because Paul gives us, the Holy Spirit gives us six specific characteristics that he wants us to shoot for. So we look at these things and we say, Lord, these are the things you want me to strive for and to faithfully practice in my life, because it's important that as the people of God, we pursue the right things. It's a terrible waste of a life and energy to do otherwise. Think about it. To spend all your time and think you reached the mark, and you find out it wasn't God's mark at all. Destination matters. The pilot spoke over the intercom to the passengers. He said, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. The good news is we're way ahead of schedule. The bad news is we're lost. So much for those that say enjoy the journey. If you're enjoying the journey, you better make sure your destination's right. Then you can enjoy the journey all you want. But if your destination's not right, and I say that because some Christians, they set the wrong goal. Then their goal was very natural orientated. But here are things God says, I want you to shoot for these. These are the things that I am putting value on. So let's look at this. Number one, he says, um, pursue, reach for, make the effort to grow in righteousness, righteousness. Now, when, when we talk about the man or the woman of God pursuing righteousness, we recognize basically there's two kinds of righteousness that the Bible talks about. There's the righteousness that just basically means being right with God. That's what we would call being saved, salvation. That's the position of righteousness. That's having a heart that's right with God because you came to Jesus Christ and you gave Him your life and you put your faith what He did on the cross. And, and again, that's salvation. And if you're here today and you think you're going to heaven because you go to church, that's not going to get you to heaven. Going to church is good, but you need more than going to church. Maybe you're here and you think you're going to go to heaven, but you're really trying to live a good life. And we should try to live good lives, but that won't get you. How many know that won't get you into heaven? Amen. 
The only way you can get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. He died for us, became our substitute. That if we put our faith in Him and we give our lives to Him, we receive the salvation that only He can give. So we recognize. And now Paul knows Timothy doesn't need that righteousness. He's got it. He's writing to a young pastor. He's assuming, Timothy, you're righteous as far as your position goes. So he's not talking about get saved, Timothy. He knew Timothy was a saved man. But we put that in there, but you never know who's in the crowd. But righteousness here means doing right. Living as God has called us to live. So it's not the position of righteousness. He's talking about the practice or the living out of righteousness. Once you're made righteous, but you put your faith in Christ, that's good. Now live it out. You know, when Paul says, put on the armor of God, righteousness, he's not talking about getting saved. He said, now live righteously. Now do the right thing. (laughs) Simply put, a righteous person is a person who lives right. He does what is right in relation to God and man. What is right? In the sight of the Lord. What would fulfill righteousness in this situation? That is the compass that guides his life. That's the true north for his life. You see, the right thing is not always the easy thing. It's not always the popular thing. But how many know it's the best thing? It's the best thing. Just ask Daniel. Just ask the three Hebrews. Just ask the early church when they had to stand firm. And do what was right, even though all hell was thrown in the kitchen sink against them. So God's man or woman knows is known by doing the right thing right. Let me say that again. They are known, they're a righteous man. They live righteously. They do what is right in the sight of the Lord. And they do the right thing right. Because how many know you can do the right thing wrong? Anyone? A lifestyle that is marked by obedience to God's commands. It's not a pick or choose thing as if we're at a buffet. But they're pursuing and they're hungering and they're striving to live righteously in the sight of God. It's a life that is governed by the book and will reject the path of least resistance, reject the path of social acceptance if that path disregards or deviates from the law of his God. Now, the man or woman of God, he recognizes right and wrong have been eternally settled. It's not up for a Congress vote. It's not up for what the judicial people think. The man or woman of God recognizes right and wrong has been eternally settled and clearly defined and declared by the written Word of God. And that's the righteous standard He faithfully pursues. We don't have to get mystical about this. God gave you a book. It's real clear. We don't have to pray about certain... How many know that? It's real clear in the book. It's real... You know, Jesus taught this. Jesus preached this. Let's look at what Jesus said about this. Matthew 5 and 6. Matthew 5 and 6. Because remember, Paul Paul's saying, now, Timothy, if you're going to be a man of God, you've got to separate yourself from some things. You've got to stop doing some things. You've got to stop watching some things that grieve the Spirit. They're, they put Christ on the cross. Amen? 
I'll never forget one time I, I did a lot of street witnessing when I was younger. And this one um, young kid said, well, if I come to Christ, I got to stop listening to this music. I said, listen, I was young and bold. I said, would you listen to music that called your mother? And I probably said something, uh, you know, why would you listen to music that put Jesus on the cross? Why would you listen to something that's exalting the thing that put him on the cross? I'm just saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so Timothy, flee this, but don't stop there. Don't stop there. We, we don't need just another. No, no, no. I want you to pursue righteousness. You pursue it. You give an effort to walk righteously in this life. That's what Jesus did. Even when it cost him and he had to go to Calvary. Even when he had to be baptized in water and it seemed like an embarrassing thing. He says, we've got to fulfill righteousness. If it's the right thing in the sight of God, that's what we have to do. People might talk about us. People might laugh at us. People might despise us. But if it's right in the eyes of the Lord, as a righteous man, I do what is right. Jesus said, blessed are they. Now, this is, I want you to, I want you to check this out. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be... How many of the world sells you a bill of goods? Uh, the world, if we want to watch TV, they'll tell you a lot of things you need to be satisfied. They're not going to talk about righteousness. They'll say, you need this, and you've got to have that. And if you just get this, man, you will be filled. You'll be satisfied. You'll be content. But Jesus said, no, 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 nothing to it. The blessing comes on those that actually pursue a righteous life because in that they are filled with the approval of God. They are filled with the blessing of God. They are filled with the applause of heaven. And that's worth more than silver or gold. Somebody say amen. Oh, my Lord, my Lord. You need this and now you're just in debt. You need that and your marriage fell apart. No, no, no. What we need according to Jesus. I'm just preaching Jesus. I can't make it any more simpler. You don't need Greek or Hebrew. Hebrew, you just need a yielded heart that says, God, if it's in the book, I'm going to do it. I don't argue it. I don't debate it. If anyone's wrong, it's not God. It's me. How many know that? If someone's wrong, it's not God. But Uncle so-and-so used to, I don't care what Uncle so-and-so did. They were wrong. They were wrong. Blessed are those. Who's blessed? Hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. They pursue what is right. They live and they do what is right. But Aunt so-and-so won't like it. Well, she's going to have to live with it. I've got to do what is right. Because I fear God and I love God. And I'm going to, blessed are they. Jesus, they're going to be filled. They're going to be satisfied. There's a satisfaction that comes from knowing you're right with God. From knowing the well done, the approval of heaven is upon your life. That's worth more. Glory be to God. That's Jesus. He's Paul and Jesus. They're right there. You pursue these things. You make an effort to walk in these things. What's the next one? Not only, not only does seeking after righteousness fulfill us and fill us and satisfy our lives, it brings the blessing of God, the practical, natural blessing of God comes into our lives. As Jesus said, Matthew 6 and 33, But seek ye first. See, instead of stressing out and fighting over all these things the world fights about, can't pay the bills and can't do this and can't do that. Well, if we start walking righteous 
and we line up everything with God's plan. There's no devil in hell that can keep us back. Amen? There's no uh, oppression, depression. There's no hindrance of hell that can keep back the blessing from God's people. If we line up our lives with thus the Word of God is the Word of God, let every man and devil be a liar. If God said it, He'll do it. If He spoke it, He'll bring it to pass. So Jesus says, listen, we're talking about those that are my disciples. And I call you to pursue a righteous life. You'll find blessing. You'll find fulfillment. But you'll also find the peace of God and the provision of God in your life. But seek ye first. Seek. There's that pursue. Seek. you got to go after it. you got to make an effort to embrace it. But seek first His kingdom. That's His rule. Lord, what's your will? I don't bring my will and say, Lord, would you mind blessing it? There are a lot of Ishmael's out there cause a lot of problems. Yeah, Ishmael, right? And some of your Bible students, Ishmael. Remember Ishmael? Yeah. Would you bless Ishmael? God says, hard to bless flesh. Instead of asking me to bless Ishmael, step back and say, first, Lord, I'm going to seek your kingdom in this situation. What is your will and what is your rule? What would you like in this situation? Not what I like. A lot of things God wanted I didn't want. I guess to be honest with you. Whew. <laughs> oh, Lord. He didn't give me no multiple choice. I wish He would have. I wouldn't have chose a lot of things He chose for me. I'm just being honest. Come on. Be, say amen. amen. You made it the same stuff. Don't look so pious at me. Amen. <laughs> I mean, we all walk in the same walk. But seek first His kingdom. And what else? And His And Jesus said, if you'll seek that righteousness. See, prior to this, he was just saying, don't worry about that. Don't be anxious about that. He's feeding the little birds, his eyes on the sparrows, eyes on you. What are you supposed to do? Seek you first. Instead of stressing and fighting and getting all messed up, seek ye first. The kingdom, the rule of God, and his right living and his righteousness. And then all these things won't be taken from you. They'll be given to you. And look at that next verse. He kind of sums it up there. Therefore. And the therefore is going to those that will pursue righteousness. Those that will seek the kingdom. Therefore. Don't worry about tomorrow. Who's worried about tomorrow? Don't lie in church. Jesus has said, don't worry about tomorrow. What are you worrying about tomorrow for? Because you don't know what tomorrow holds. Who does? He does. Amen? Are you going to trust Him enough to save you? Can you trust Him for tomorrow? If you could trust Him enough to get rid of all the ugly sin that we're all guilty of, can you trust Him for tomorrow? You think He'll be good to you tomorrow? You think He'll watch over you tomorrow? Oh, you better believe He will. He's a good God. He's a good God. He's just trying to get us in sync with Him. You know, you could have the greatest coach in the world, Coach Belichick, but if you don't want to follow the plan, if you don't want to follow out, it's not going to do any good. You could go to the greatest council. They can give you a great plan, great financial plan, or do this X, Y, Z. But if you don't carry out, it won't do you any good. So the Lord's a good Lord, and He loves us, and He wants to bless us. So He gives us His Word so we can get in line with how He, is, he has chosen to bless us. And one way He blesses us is by calling us, you pursue righteousness. The world pursues the path of least resistance. What's in it for me? If it feels good, do it. You hear some Christians with that malarkey. They've got to get saved. 
The answer is always, what is written? What is written? What does the Word of God say? That's the righteous man or woman. And then we pursue that. Seek ye first the kingdom and my righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Therefore, if you're seeking and I'm adding to you and the blessing of God, now you're connected. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough problems and belly aches of its own. Each day has enough messes of its own. That's I kind of... So don't worry about it. What, what's your part? I'm going to seek first that kingdom. And I'm going to seek the righteous life that He called me to live. And He's promised these things will be given. They'll be added. They'll come up. I don't have to seek them. They're going to find me. I'm seeking righteousness. I'm not seeking things. I'm seeking the kingdom and righteousness. And he's, all those things will be added. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Harashakatai. Mm. The man of God, the woman of God, we pursue righteousness, but also godliness. And though we can only get two today, godliness. Look at that second one. He says godliness. This is it. We pursue godliness. Another distinguishing factor. What distinguishes you and I from those that don't know God, those that don't pretend to love God? We pursue righteousness in our lives. We live, we do what's right in the eyes of God. But also, we're a people that pursue godliness. What is godliness? While righteousness looks to the outward behavior, godliness actually has to do with the inner awareness of God. It leads to living in reverence and awe of God. It's a, I'll put it this way. It's a God consciousness. But thou, O man of God, flee this. Flee living like those that ignore God. Flee living like those that worship God in the temple, then go out boogie, woogie, woogie to the camp, boogie no more. No, 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 no. See, they leave God in the temple. They fail to be godly because godly recognizes surely the presence of the Lord. I mean, you could be at the factory. Surely the presence. In the mall. Surely. Godliness is having a God consciousness. Righteousness is acting out what I know. Godliness is being aware of what is. I'm aware that God's here. Oh my. Oh my. And godliness will lead to godly conduct. But it's when there's that awareness and reverence of being in God's presence, of course it affects my behavior. We try to impart that in our children, don't we? From the tenderest of age, the Lord sees, I might not, Daddy and Mom may not be, God, right? William Barclay put it like this, the, the reverence of the man who never ceases to be aware that all of life is lived in the presence of God. Wow. That'll make you watch what you're talking about. The reverence of a man who never ceases to be aware that all of life is lived in the presence of God. And this greatly affects how we live out this life. It affects, obviously, our holiness. We know that. But you know what? It should also affect our confidence. Because when we recognize God is here, God is with me, be still and know I am God, and He's with me. Yes, it affects my holiness, but when I recognize God's here, God's here. 
but it also gives me a comp. God's here. My Father's with me. But it also enables me to have more of a, a usefulness. Because when we have an awareness of God's presence, we tend to be more alert and more ready to be used of God, to speak for God, to act for God. Come on, say amen. Think about it. With the awareness of God, obviously it brings holiness. Because he's a holy God. We recognize God is here. But not just holiness, also confidence. Because when I recognize God is here, it strengthens me with courage to face what I need to face. I'm not alone. God's with me. But also usefulness. Because when you have an awareness that God is here, you recognize He's with you. And you tend to be more alert. I can speak into that life. Maybe that's an open door for witnessing. Maybe that's God wanted me to help that person. But your consciousness of God. Let's look at some verses here. 1 Timothy 2 and 2. Number one, it is God's will for us to live in godliness, to live with an awareness of God. This is Paul. And he's telling Timothy, first of all, pray, intercede for kings and this and that and the other thing. For kings and all those in authority, pray that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. That the prayer of God, the will of God, is that mankind, now stick with me, mankind will live holy, godly, peaceful, godly. Can you go back to the garden before sin messed it up? They walked with God. They talked with God. They had a God consciousness, man. They had a God awareness. They, as soon as sin came in, now we no longer wanted to be aware of God. We wanted to hide from God. We wanted to ignore God. We wanted mankind that has fallen. We want God when we need God. But apart from that, we'd rather not have God. Leave Him in the temple so I can do what I want to do and live like I want to live. Now, if I need you, God, I'll run to the temple and I'll bring my offering and then you've got to help me. But until then, stay there because I don't want you to hear this joke. And if there's places that remind me too much of the presence of God, I might avoid those places. Backslider gets uncomfortable in God's house where God's. But number one, it's the will of God that we walk with a God consciousness. That's how we commune with God. That's how it was intended to be from the beginning. That we can talk with God and walk with God. We're in the car singing to God. Up and down the aisle. Just thinking about the things of God, talking to the Lord. Oh, that one's for sale. Thank you, Lord. And, you know, you just kind of... But it's just a very natural. Very natural. Go ahead and keep that up there for me. And, and so, number one, the will of God is that we walk in godliness. But secondly, we recognize that God wants me to walk in godliness, but to develop this, to pursue this, to obtain to this, doesn't always... It's not always easy. And it takes on our part some effort and some practice. Go ahead, put First Timothy, that other verse up there, the next verse for you. Go ahead and slap it up there. This Paul writes, have nothing to do with godliness, godless myths, and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself. That's interesting, isn't it? 
Train yourself to be... So it's not a natural thing then, is it? It's something I have to exercise to be godly. To have an awareness of God. To recognize... Now there's certain times we're actually more godly. As we think about God, but God said, I, I want you to walk with me. Like Adam and Eve, they walked with him. Remember that? Some people walked with him, man. They just kept on walking. Oh, Enoch, he just went for a walk, never came home. And um, I mean, just they walked with God. But have nothing but... So what we're trying to say is, some things, when it comes to walking with God, please, don't quit. Because some things are developed. You ever try to learn how to dribble with your weaker hand? It's really, you know... You really try to develop something. It's awkward, isn't it? Have you ever injured your good hand and you had to start buttoning for about a couple of weeks? Every, you know, it's kind of awkward, isn't it? And you had to work at it. So when you grow in God, if things at first seem awkward, don't give up. Go back to the book. Is it in the book? If it's in the book, say, well, Lord, if it's in the book, then your Holy Spirit will help me to develop this. But your job is just to keep going at it and you will grow. You will, you know, when none of us arrive, we're all, you know, under construction. Every one of us. Amen. But what God's calling us in pursuing it, He didn't say we're going to catch it. But in pursuit. There's a great quote from Lombardi. <laughs> when he said to the Packers, he said, We will pursue perfection. Knowing that it is impossible to obtain. But in our pursuit of perfection, we will lay claim to excellence. So, as we walk and strive to grow in God, we don't just try once and say, I couldn't do it. No, no, no. We say, Lord, some of these things don't happen overnight. But I'm just going to do my part to grow and have not. Train yourself. So that means you can exercise it. Work at it. Work at it. You know, when you're young in the Lord and you, you, know, you want to do devotions, and you, you, get, you do good. You do two, three days. Then all of a sudden, you know, aunt so-and-so visits and the cousins. And next thing you know, it's been a week. And, oh, I feel terrible. Well, you get back on the thing and start doing it again. Amen? You don't give up. You say, oh, we, I'll do better next time. What's that next verse? For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So, as I walk with this God consciousness, it's going to help me here as well as over there. It's going to help me here. It's going to help me to live pure. It's going to help me to live confident. It's going to help me to live productive. Go to that next verse. Whatever it is, you just bring them up and I'll just... <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, oh, all right. Amen. In, in the uh, economy of God, we must recognize that God considers godliness something of high value. High value. Remember, but, but for you, man or woman of God, the world and us have different scales. We value and esteem certain things that they, they think is laughable. We value certain things that they quite frankly think is wrong. They actually think is... But God says, godliness... But before this, he's talking about those that are just giving into materialism. Their love for money. They're just giving money, 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 money. And, and the Lord, he says, you know what? You, you, can, you can get in a mess pursuing the wrong goals. But I'll tell you what God says. Godliness with contentment. 
That's great game. That's great game. If you can walk with me and be content in the life as you walk, that's great game. And last but not least, now God esteems it, but how many know the world's not crazy about it? Amen? Let's look at one more thing. So we found out that it's the will of God that we live godly, that we have a God awareness, that we walk with God. We recognize that it's not always something we have to develop. We develop it. We have to exercise ourselves to be godly. It's a self-discipline act. It's with the help of the Holy Spirit, we, we grow in this. We, we, we grow in this. Number three, we found out that God esteems godliness. It's godliness with contentment is great gain. God says great gain. In God's eyes, you want great gain? Have an awareness of God in your life. Let your home recognize Jesus lives here. Amen? Let your conversation, Jesus lives here. I mean, you know. But, thou old man of God, there is a difference and a distinction between those that love Jesus and those that are living for themselves. In fact, everyone who wants and strives and pursues to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be... Your unsafe family might not always understand. Your friends, they might not agree. Your boss might actually get an attitude towards you. Because you're walking with awareness that God is here. And that can make people uncomfortable. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. But thou, O man of God, <clears throat> the marks of a man or woman of God, what they flee from and what they follow after. We pray this morning that we are learning how to make the goal to live righteously and to practice godliness or God-awareness in our lives. In our prayers, Lord, help us to strive to be men and women of God. Don't give up. Make it a goal in your life. I want to grow in my Christ-likeness. I want to grow in my walk with God. It doesn't matter. You fall down, you get back up. You feel like, you know, others are way ahead. Don't worry about others. It's just you and Jesus. Walk together and go forward in God. Well, we're going to open this altar. And if you'd like to come and pray, please come and do so. If you need prayer, you can. But let's just stand and let's just offer ourselves to God. That we might be men and women of God. The world needs more than just more churchgoers. The world needs men and women that walk close and consistent with the living God. With those that can be His mouthpiece and to be His representatives. We're going to pray and then we're going to worship, sing the final song. And please, sing the last song and then you obviously you dismiss yourself if you don't want to come to the altar. But um, let's make a fresh goal in our lives. Lord, I want to be your man. I want to be your woman. There's a lot of people that go to church. Some of them you can't tell from those that don't go to church. But as for us, as for me in my house, as for me in my life, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to walk righteously. I didn't say weirdly. I didn't say flakily. I said righteously. And I'm going to practice godliness, which is God awareness. We pray. Father, in Jesus' name.
Father, help us never to be satisfied with just going to heaven someday, but give us a sincere desire and devotion to live as true men and women of God this day and every day. Help us to be inspired by the holy privilege of being your representatives, of being your possessions. Help us to be thankful for the privilege of that close communion and access that we have to you. Grant us, O God, a fresh hunger and thirst to seek and pursue a closer walk and a clearer witness. Help us to practice righteousness. Help us to pursue godliness. And Father, I pray that you would help us that when we maybe miss the mark, we won't give up and just go back. But we'll get up and dust ourselves off and we'll make that fresh effort to walk again, to strive again. Father, I pray for everyone that's here today. Lord, you've placed every person in a strategic place in life that they might be your vessels, that they might be your ambassadors, that they might be your instruments. Help each one of us to fulfill our reason for being. Help us to be an example to this world around us of what a man or woman of God is. Let them be able to see through our lives the reality of being a Christian and knowing Jesus. And Lord, I pray that as we walk with a greater awareness of your presence, we will be alert to the opportunities that you will give us to talk to others, to minister to others, to be your hands and to be your voice. Now, Father, as we sing our last song, we just make ourselves a fresh sacrifice and offer ourselves. Oh, Lord, take us. Use us. We choose to pursue those characteristics that you have called us to grow in. Bless your people and may their lives be a blessing. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Let's worship the Lord. If you need prayer or you just want to pray, the altar is open.